welcome back to the Make an Adjustment podcast. I am your host, Julie, and I was raised in a cult. People are always super surprised when I say that. I will first tell you that I did not believe that it started out as as a cult. I believe that the person who started the church became wrapped up in themselves and turned it into something they didn't mean it to be. However, I also could be wrong because I was pretty young. So after I was doing my research and became an adult, I found out the founder may have been a little more sinister than I than I might have, I don't know, originally thought. <clears throat> but certainly, I certainly believe that the person who started the church and then passed it on to someone else did not expect that the man who took it over to take it to an even darker place. So here are some tips to avoid being bit by a cult before it's too late. But first, we have some very exciting news for those of you that care and who don't care. It doesn't matter. Our lovely Texas Rangers just won the World Series last night. Woo-hoo! And I'm amazed and super happy about it. It was an exciting event. You can see the video of my kids on the Make It Adjustment Instagram page and on the Facebook page. Check it out. It was fun night for all of us. We are going to the parade tomorrow where they are expected to have 850,000 people. So pray for me because I'm going to need it. That gives me anxiety just to think about it. But it's the first time Texas Rangers ever won the World Series, so we have to go. So that is my commercial for today. I'm very proud of our Texas Rangers. Way to go, Rangers. Way to go to Corey Seager, who won the MVP. And we are, as a collective group here in Arlington, couldn't be more proud of you guys. So way to go. Congratulations. So welcome back. So today, clearly, we're talking about cults, talking about the fact that I was raised in a cult. Um, I made the title to take a bite out of cults, four ways to determine if you or someone you love is in you or if someone you love is in a cult. So I was doing my research on this, and I came across an article from uh, OprahDaily.com, which if anyone knows me, it's a strange place to find an article. But I found an article written by Samantha Vincenti, and she discusses a model of helping others um, identify cults called BITE, and it's BITE like B period, I period, T period, E period. And this method was developed by a man named Stephen Hassan. Mr. Hassan was formerly in a cult, and he has done some excellent research on cults. So today we're going to take the bite method and relate it to my cult that I grew up in. Um, so I'll give you a little background information first. My mom left my dad when I was around two years old. She was, you know, thrust into a life of being a single mom. My mom was um, amazingly insecure, very depressed, and she chron- she suffered from chronic depression my entire life. She had to move home and ask her mom and her grandmother to help her because she needed to work and she had a child. She also drank a little too much at that time. She wanted more than anything to have friends and to be loved by someone other than me. Um, 
She wanted companionship. She wanted acceptance. So she met a lady that was fun to be around. She really appeared to care about my mom. And she talked about my to my mom about God and, and appeared to care about my mom in a very Christ-like sort of way. They started talking to my mom about going to church and about God. She stated that they didn't have a like a church building. This this particular church was based on what they called a tree. And so um like the headquarters were like the trunk and then you had like the branches, which is kind of like your area leaders, and then you had twigs, which were called what they were called and they had them in the homes that was where you went to church was and at twigs um so they invited her to come to one of these twigs and my mom was in a position where she needed to do anything to change her life and so this home group and i'll be honest with you it was in the 80s well it could have been late 70s could have been it was I was sick. So it was late seventies, early eighties. Um, my the the group was kind of full of like a bunch of hippies, <laughs> full of love, and made my mom feel incredibly. When we got in, we went to a few groups, and we continued. And oh, I can't talk today. I'm so sorry. They continued to tell her that in order to become a member of this church, she she would have to take a week long class. And this class was called PFAL, which was Power for Abundant Living. But you could not be a full member until you took this class. And then they had like an advanced class. And then they had all these other classes. And then you could live on campus someplace else if you wanted to. Um, and they had all these things that you sort of had to do to sort of move to like next levels. Um, but the more my mom went the more she was willing to go sit through this week-long class because she felt accepted and she felt like this is where she needed to be the the church was a, a big believer in prayer but they also spoke in tongues and interpreted um so by the time i was seven i was speaking in tongues and interpreting them uh i can't tell you how i don't know how that worked and why that worked but it did but my and my mom felt accepted by a group of people she was the perfect person to become involved in a church that would be a cult and that eventually changed her life. And it changed her life in a positive way and a negative way. So I'm not going to say that the cult was all bad. Uh, so again, I will tell you that I am the first one to actually tell you that the church did change our lives at the first. My mom stopped drinking. She felt happy. She became the mom quote unquote to everyone in the home group because or the twin because she was pretty she was older than everybody else so again i said there was like a bunch of kind of young adult type people who ran this group and so she became the mom to everybody which she loved because she always wanted a bunch of kids there was a group of men in the group that attempted to break my silence. You know, as you, as I said in the first episode, I was abused by someone that I trusted, and I did not talk to men at all when I first got into this church. And these men really tried to get me to develop trust and and have me 
be able to trust men again. So there was a group of men who did do that, and one of them I still consider my godfather to this day. Um, the biggest takeaway was that I developed a foundation of a belief in God that never went away. And I think this is big for people who are in cults because usually when they leave cults, they, they leave their faith too. And the, this church taught me to always put God first in our lives. And that is something that never left me. And I never lost my faith in God, but I lost my faith in people. And so the trust that they had tried to develop in me when I was a kid, by the time I left the church, trusting people, especially in a religious religious sect, was almost and continues to be almost impossible for me. And I lost my faith in religion itself. So I I struggle with this still. I don't really I'm not big on going to church as much as I am big on fellowshipping with people that have you know, that want to share their faith and uh, doing something godly every day. So every day I try and do something to make my life better. And I and I shared before during my time when I was home with my mom, I grew a lot in my faith during that time and I feel like it changed me and I really feel like things really grew in then and then more so than I have ever felt in my life. So I, I feel like God's still with me, even though church is something that's still difficult for me. So, back to the topic at hand. What is a cult? So, according to the Britannica website, a cult is a group devoted to a person, idea, or philosophy. The term cult is often applied to a religious movement that falls outside the mainstream and engages in questionable activities. Cults can have like a charismatic leader who exercises control. They isolate others from society. They can induce rigid rules for members and or exploit them sexually or financially. Um, so that leads me to the first way to determine if you or someone you care about is in a cult, and that is the person entering the cult is a, is in an expe- especially vulnerable state. My mom was a textbook. <laughs> I can really struggle talking today. It was the textbook definition of in a vulnerable state. She wanted so badly to have an accepting family, but she had a strained relationship with my grandmother, who most likely had not so many amazing things to say about my mom's divorce, my mom's drinking, and my mom's weight at the time. So my mom felt unloved and like she didn't have anyone who cared about her. She So she bought into all of it when the cult came. To, she absorbed it like a sponge. She attended every class, read every book. She went to every meeting. She was high on the experience and all of its differences, and she took her daughter on the ride along with her. According to Insider.com, I'm sorry, yeah. According to Insider.com, they stated that there were up to 10,000 cults that were active in the United States in 2018. The president of the International Cultic Studies Association stated that a study of small, a, a, a group of ex-cult members by the University of Columbia found that members on average struggled with depression and identity formation 
more than any other age group. So basically, vulnerable people are more likely to be quote-unquote brainwashed by a charismatic group or individual. So uh, now we go back to the article that I mentioned before. So according to the article by Samantha Vicente, um, cults that are... Cults are... What, what am I trying to say? Cults are destructive and dishonest from the very beginning. So I was six years old when my mom joined this cult, and I thought the the founder, the leader, um, was amazing. Like, I thought he was great. He looked like a grandpa, and I was convinced that he knew God personally, and that if I ever got to meet him, it would be like meeting God. Oh, what? No, that's a bad sign. Wrong, wrong, wrong. I should have never... I should have been guided that he wasn't God, but he was trying to share the Bible. Um, so as I grew up, I realized that this man may not have been the man I thought he was. Um, so, like I said, destructive cults lie to members about intentions from the get-go, and they make themselves sound more appealing at first. So my mom and I fell for that hook, line, and sinker from the very beginning. Um, and... I don't know it's true, but I heard some horrible rumors about this founder and what his actual lifestyle was like, again, financially and sexually exploiting others. I was just fortunate that I wasn't one of them. <clears throat> but according to Mr. Hassan's bite model, the first part of the bite, the B in the model, is called behavior control. So behavior control is things that are like regulating your diet. So this one is interesting to me because I remember one of the things that I really remember about being in this cult was we weren't allowed to drink with our meals. We couldn't have anything to drink, no water, nothing. Um, and certainly not soda or anything unhealthy like that. And we were to eat like this healthy food. I remember a cereal called Familia or something like that, that I still turned my stomach to even say the name. Um, but so you had to eat like basically bird seed for breakfast and you couldn't have drinks with your meals. So if anything tasted bad, too bad, so sad. Um, I do remember this, this particular man and another man, they used to say that it was um, a McDonald's night, and I still use that with my kids to this day. If I make something bad, and we're like, oh, it's a McDonald's night, and we'd sneak away and go to McDonald's. Because, um, again, these guys were young, too. They were, like, in their early 20s. Um, so, um, but there was, you had to use, like, sea salt, and you had to use, like, different things, and you had to, the way, the way that we had to eat was really dictated by the church. They tried to tell you what you could and couldn't eat. Um, another way is financial exploitation. We were told that if we didn't tithe at least 10% of our salary, we were sinners and not right with God. And this made my mom feel like she was never right with God because she was a single mom trying to make it paycheck to paycheck. She tithed every month what she could afford, but that wasn't. there was always more pressure to give more, always. Every time we had a twig meeting a branch meeting any kind of meeting there was always the expectation that you were supposed to give 
and it didn't matter your age. So if like if someone gave me a dollar, I was supposed to give at least ten cents of that dollar to the church. And I I get it. And then some of you are gonna be like, yeah, that's what we do. No, that's not. I get that people tithe, and you should tithe. Like I mean, I tithe at my church, um, but that I don't attend. Um, but I do tithe for the church. But I don't believe in, as Fletch put it so well, a God that needs heavy financing. So there's nothing wrong with supporting your church, but I believe God loves you and doesn't get mad at you if you don't give so much that throws you into the poorhouse and that you and God discuss how much you're able to give and you give that because it is what you can give. And if you are told by your church that that's not enough, then there's something wrong with that church. So that's what I firmly believe. So remember the woman in the Bible where she gave like a fraction of a penny and God was so blessed by how she gave and not what she gave. She gave with all love and not obligation. She gave what she could, even though all the rich people were kind of putting in just partial what they could give. They, but God still loved her because she couldn't even she could, even though she didn't give as much as the other people could. So that's what I'm talking about. So really, like have have faith in yourself and believe in what you can do. And if you want to support a church, support a church. But you can afford. Don't put yourself in to do it. So the next uh, point in the Bible model is information control. And so this includes the practices of deception and minimizing or discouraging access to non-cult sources of information. So for me at that time, it was TV, um, former members. Um, now they would probably tell you the Internet because you can find lots of interesting information on this cult on the Internet now. Um in fact, I found a book called The Undertow, My Escape from the Fundam Fundamentalism and Cult Control. And that's the name of the cult, which I'm purposely leaving out. <clears throat> By Charlene Edge. So Mrs. Edge was in the same cult I was, and she was there from 1970 to 1987, and discussed that the founder of this cult claimed that, the one I was talking about earlier, the founder that God told him that he would teach this founder the Bible like it had never been known since the first century, meaning that half the Bible was established, was not established until after the first century, which is actually not true because it evolved between 250 and 300 AD. So she goes on to say that the founder may have plagiarized, also may have plagiarized some of his books, and that the founder used psychological manipulation to gain and keep followers. Um, and so she experienced that a lot. And she not only experienced that with the original founder, but was ultimately betrayed by our, the one that he left this cult to, who, who really did take it just deep and dark by, by the time he took over. So... Excuse me. When I was a kid, I remember we didn't watch a lot of TV. In fact, 
TV was in the garage. Um, and it, because it, TV could be led to devil spirits. This cult believed big time in devil spirits. Everything that they didn't think was right was a devil spirit. <clears throat> um, we also had book burnings, album burnings, and to get rid of the secular things in our lives that could allow the devil to take over our lives. I remember when I was six, I had to burn my Grease album, which I was less than happy about, because at the time it was my favorite, but I was told that I shouldn't listen to it, so I had to burn it, and along with pretty much every other album that I had. At the time, I didn't understand why. I just knew I had to do it because they said I had to do it. Um, I don't remember feeling particularly closer to God after that than back to God because it was my favorite album at the time. Uh, but I loved God and I wanted to put him first. And so I thought that was what I had to do. And we've already talked about my music tastes and how the church probably, well, most likely, they weren't excited about my taste in music. And when I was in sixth grade, I wanted to go to the Sticks concert. And sticks, it was a big to-do. My mom had to go to the church. They didn't want to give me permission to go. They said that they, they asked her if they if she knew that the, the way sticks was spelled was based on the river sticks. And, of course, she did. Hello, my mom was pretty smart back to all that. And I was actually even going to this concert with another person from the church who I don't think had to give as much permission as I did, but I had to get permission from the church. Um, they, um, my mom had also, my mom took real interest in my music when I was a kid and she listened to it a lot about what the songs meant and what the songs were. And anyone who's listened to Sticks knows that I mean, they're not singing songs about the devil, that's for sure. So, um, for one time, you know, during that time, my mom was able to fight for me, and I was able to go to the show, and it was fun. By the way, I had a blast. <clears throat> so that leads me to the next um, part in the bite model, which is thought control. Thought control includes requiring members to internalize the group's doctrine as truth. It's black and white, good versus evil. So that's the way they try, that you have to say, this is the way it is, this is the way you believe it, period. Absolutely. Um, the cult I grew up in believed everything, believed that um, everything they did, that you, Everything that you did was either, like, according to the cult or according to the devil. It really was no in-between. It was very black and white. They also didn't believe in the Trinity. And it's taken me years to figure that The Trinity... I remember going to a church after I moved here and talking to someone about it. And he said, if, if I didn't believe in the Trinity that it kind of negated, like, everything that he was teaching. And that kind of stuck with me because, like, I don't... It's it's a very deep conversation. So they believed that Jesus Christ was actually the Son of God. There was no blend in there. There wasn't 
God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They were three actual separate entities. So it wasn't a, a, a there wasn't a Trinity thing. And so I was believe I was raised to believe that Jesus Christ was not God, and they were separate. But I'm still working on that. So I'm still doing deep dives into, and, and, and the people I listen to don't talk about that a lot. Like I listen to a lot of Joyce Myers. I listen to a lot of Andy Stanley and, and pulling that out as a, as a particular teaching doesn't happen a whole lot anymore. So I don't know what their view are other than it's totally generally accepted that you believe in the Trinity. Um, the point is that if you didn't believe what they believed, and you tried to do your own research, you were being led by the devil, and you had a devil spirit. And that is really the point of this part, is that it really was their way or the highway. They said if you ever got sick, you weren't believing hard enough. It was your fault. Um, you didn't believe God would heal you, so therefore your faith was not intact. If you were injured and you did not get healed right away, they also believed that that was your fault and that you um, didn't believe hard enough and they made you feel guilty about that and that it was it was all you. You had to work on yourself and you had to believe harder so you got better or you got healed. And they believed in works. So if you did this, you went to heaven. And I think we all, those of us who believe in our faith and our or everything know that that's not necessarily true I mean, it's really basically simple that you believe god raised jesus christ from the dead and you'll be saved romans 10 9 and 10 pretty basic right so that is then you you you're saved you know and after that you grow i'm so sorry i have a frog in my throat today you grow in your faith enough that you want to do things that please God. So that is really the way I'm kind of being guided now. That it doesn't mean I can do whatever I want because God forgives me because he does. But we are, I'm guided in a, in a way that I want to do things so he's proud of me. That I'm not doing things and then asking forgiveness. I'm doing things that please him from the beginning. Because you want to, not because you have to. The more I do for God doesn't mean I'm more likely to get into heaven. I'm already going there because I believe that, you know, I I, I, I was saved, right? So <clears throat> that's the other things that I feel. So um, I remember my family talking and saying that I remember families talking about they're like adult children and that they might be something that the cult did not believe in. And they actually had them kidnapped and brainwashed. And they were show videos of it. It was, it was crazy. Like I remember being so scared that if there was ever something that I didn't believe in, that was incorrect, that they were going to kidnap me and brainwash me. And they would keep these people for weeks at a time and then talk about this. Like it was like a it's like a baptism video you see now. These people would talk later about how they were saved from these things that our church did not believe in. And I will tell you that 
they cast out devil spirits. They believed these things were devil spirits. And I did not want to be kidnapped and taken um, and, and brainwashed. I, was, I remember being very scared, so I tried to be on the straight and narrow path and do things that I was supposed to do and listen and, and you know, give my 10 cents to every dollar that I had, you know. Um, so that brings me to the next one, which is um, emotional control. So that's the E in bite. So emotional control includes manipulating and narrowing the range of feelings. Emotions and or needs are deemed evil, wrong, or selfish. Problems are noted to be their own fault and not the fault of the cult that instilled the fear. Like fear of the outside world or enemies or, or fear of leaving the cult. My mom was accused of being gay when she was in the cult. And that meant that she was not going to be a good mom to raise me. And the church wanted to take me away from her as a result of that. Now I'm going to tell you, this is something that did not connect with me or nor did I understand the situation. And it is not a story I'm ready to tell. But I can tell you that I don't know if my mom had any tendencies that way. I do not know what made the cult think that at the time, other than the fact that there was a roommate that lived in the house with us. And I always just assumed it was because we had extra money. We needed the extra money for renting a room out. <clears throat> but beside the point, the church does not have a right to say that about somebody and then threaten to take their child away as a result. If my mom was gay, she could still raise me and do a fine job. So there was no point. So I think that that is a, it's a, it's a very hot topic right now. It's a very strange topic. I'm not going to tell you my beliefs one way or the other about things. I'm just going to tell you that that was a situation that happened while I was in the cult. Um, so I didn't think my mom had a devil spirit in her. I didn't think that she needed to be cast out because she was doing everything else. The church asked. She just took in a roommate as far as I could tell. Okay. So, and my mom used to cook for the church. She taught all the children's classes. She kept everyone's kids. She did everything they ever asked her to do. And I think to make her feel like they were going to take me away really hurt her. And she didn't understand it. But she also didn't want to give it up. And so we kept going. And so I eventually grew up and I went to college in California. And by this time, I was feeling pretty done with this church. Um, I... I even, I, I think I even distanced myself from my faith at the time. Like, I didn't not believe in God. I just wasn't really proactive at building my faith and my belief in God um, or anything while I was in California. I sort of just did what I needed to do. And that was very evident to the people back in Oklahoma, where I was from. And my mom continued to go to the church and... They eventually told her she had to choose between me and them. They told her I could be a spy 
and that I don't know what a spy of like who would I be a spy for but I I could be a spy and therefore if I was not going to find a church that was a similar denomination in California then she would need to stop talking to me so again this is emotional control too they're going to separate you from your family and friends they're going to tell you that you don't feel what you feel and they're going to tell you how you should feel and she should have felt mad at me for not being a part of my church um they also make you dependent on them for emotional support and they strip your outside support away from you so i remember my brother talked about how he felt my brother was with a different mom so he didn't live with us but he remembered being worried about us and that we were raised in this cult and and he didn't know he kept telling his mom that he was worried about his sister being in this cult and we were alienated from him they tried to alienate from my grandmother my great-grandmother um my my mom's outside friends that she had where she worked they didn't like her to hang out with them you know everything had to be church-based had to had to be there so my mom I mean I eventually had to talk her talk to her and say you know you got to do what you got to do but I'm not going to find a church here I do not believe in it and my mom realized what was happening and she left the cult and did choose me so I was really happy about that um because it led for many more years with my mom but it was a struggle you know she was put back in a place where she felt like didn't she didn't belong again she had continued to attempt to find herself in various churches um so she would once she got out she went to another church and she would volunteer and she would dive head first into it believing whatever the church said and for a long time, she hung on to all the books and the tapes and continued to listen to them. Um, and it was extremely difficult for her to unlearn the things that she had learned and be open to new ideas. So she still wanted to speak in tongues, even though she couldn't find a church that she liked going to that spoke in tongues. She didn't know she was supposed to do that in private. She didn't know a bunch of things, but she kept listening to those things instead of trying to reach out and find new things um and I didn't realize how much these things were actually programmed into my head until I started thinking about when my mom died um, or was about to die so the cult taught us that nothing happens to us when we die we just stay dead and we don't nothing happens until christ comes back so many other religions and people feel that you go straight to heaven and it's right away when you die right so the struggle for both my mom and i was what happens after you die i have no idea right so my mom would discuss it with the hospice chaplain and she read books and this um, like right after her stroke she read some books about that and tried to find her own belief i think by the time she was actually getting ready to die she didn't know what she believed anymore she had been going to churches for a long time but again this isn't a true topic that gets discussed very often in churches you can go every week for years and they're not going to cover the trinity and they're not going to cover what happens after you die people don't like to talk about that kind of stuff so if 
we had to she had to do her own research and then she had to decide what she believed so do you believe she wanted to believe that she went right to heaven you know and so did i you know and so what what you know what do you believe you know i'm sure most of you out there were raised believing that you go right to heaven your grandma's looking down on you and you know you're pretty happy and content with that that's not what we believed and it was very big struggle for me to figure out what i believed i wanted to believe that my mom was going to be reunited with my great-grandmother and others that she had lost that she was going to be up walking around out of her wheelchair and dancing like she used to dance when she was younger i wanted to believe that um but i, I didn't know but i remember smiling and being appreciative of all the kind words to people who would say hey you know, I know she's in heaven looking down at you or she's watching out for you. But the truth is, I didn't know what I thought. And I basically feel dumb. I I tried to tell myself, I believe, that she's in heaven right now. I did talk to my pastor and he said some things that made sense and helped me feel better at the time. However, I'll be honest, I still don't know what I believe. Because of this, I also think that I never believed in, like, the signs, quote-unquote, or the God wings, as some people call them. Um, again, so many people believe that I would be given signs that my mom was still around and watching me. I actually felt bad and sad for a while, but I didn't see these things or notice these things. But thinking that spirits are walking around me and giving me signs that they are... There is not something I believe in. Like, I don't believe in ghosts and stuff like that. And I have a really hard time believing in devil's spirits even anymore at this point. I believe that there's nefarious, nefarious things out there that will, like... Like, I believe in the devil, but I don't believe, like, spirits are just walking around. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's just me. But, um... I I didn't see signs or notice signs, but I also wasn't looking for signs because I didn't believe that she was going to be trying to contact me from beyond. But the bottom line is what we learn in a cult is so indoctrinated in us that it continues to affect you the rest of your life. You may have to decide how to deal with that. So even though you left the cult like I did years and years and years ago, the stuff that we learned, especially... At my age, when I was really young, it's 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 always there, and 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 I watch a ton of stuff on cults, and people say that that it's always there, that you're always trying to unlearn the stuff that you had learned. So what do I do? I try to keep learning more about God and attempt to figure out what He wants me to believe. I'm going to try and be led by Him. So I admit, I was lucky. So many people in my cult suffer both abuse physically and sexually, and even financially. I still have some amazing friends that I made during the time I was in the cult, and although not one of us still belongs, the majority of us came out with our faith intact. I consider that a huge blessing from God as he protected us as children that we didn't lose our faith. So many people come out blaming God, it wasn't God that wanted to take me away from my mom. It wasn't God that tried to brainwash me. It was a man 
who tried to use God in a negative way. It was a man that made a choice to exploit others physically, mentally, sexually, and financially. And it was a man that plucks the vulnerable from the crowd and exploits them and ultimately tries to ruin them. So how to recover from being in a cult is up to us. We can continue to be depressed, angry, avoidant, or we can learn what we don't want and learn to trust God and not man. Again, I'm not fully, I'm not a fully recovered cult member. I find religion in general very difficult. I find going to church even more difficult. I'm obsessed with learning about other cults and what drives people to stay or keep trying from cult to cult. I think it's fascinating. Like the shiny happy people thing, episode two, my life, my life. I consider that my life. If you want to see what it's like, what I, what you think I experienced, I feel like episode two of Shiny Happy People was what I experienced. Um, I, I am amazed of all the people who, who really, I think, start off going to a church with happy people and charismatic people and thinking, yes, this is where I need to be, and then are so quickly taken in and sucked under the tide of their their badness, for lack of a better word. And so I think that I am I am maybe to a fault very curious about that. And I watch a ton of documentaries. And I'm also amazed what other will do in the name of God. But please, 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 if you find yourself in a position of being in a cult, remember there's a way out. There is a way out. There is help, and there is a way of keeping your faith intact as well. I can't tell you exactly why I came out with my faith intact. It's something I've actually always wondered. But I thank God for showing me that the difficulties and hard times I went through were done by a couple of men and not God. So that leads me to next week's episode. I am very excited and blessed to have Amanda Pulley on my show. Amanda is a cult member survivor and trafficking survivor who uses her experience to empower others. She is married to her husband, John, who was a former buyer of sex and also uses his experience to empower others in a different way. Together, they take their past and provide support and help for others. I encountered them at the Light the Way conference on sex trafficking. They offer a unique perspective because they cover both sides of the coin. Amanda's story sat with me because I can relate to her story so much as being abused by someone you trust, feeling the need to be perfect, which is another episode, and being raised in a cult. The difference is that she suffered trafficking as well. But here... But here she is on the other side, happily married, helping others, and her faith is intact. So next week, Amanda will not only share her story, but how she was able to keep her faith as well. So you won't want to miss it. Please join me. Thank you for joining me today. And if you need help getting out of a cult or want to share your story with me, please email me at makeanadjustment at gmail.com. 
And please like and subscribe to my podcast so you can get alerts when the next episode drops on Spotify, iHeart, Podbean, and more. See you next week.